0: Alrighty, y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to Mitzi. Let's think about it. I have a special guest here today. We have Mr. Gramps Jeffrey, who have written multiple books, but today we're just going to be focusing on the children's book that he just written just last year, I Don't Want to Turn Three. Yes, a book about their perspective and what they're going through. And Gramps, if you don't mind just telling a little bit more about yourself.
1: Sure. I appreciate you inviting me, Mitzi. I'm Grants. Just call me Grants. And this is a children's book. And the reason I wrote this book was, you know, living this past year because of pandemic uh, caused by COVID-19 and isolation, except for being able to be with my family, really gave me a special time to watch my kids, observe my kids and be with them. I got to tell you what a trip that was because, you know, all six of these kids have completely different personalities. You know, one thing they do have in common is a sense of curiosity. And how excited mm. they get, you know, when they do accomplish something. You know, watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other really is the basis of this book. You know, and you kind of, you know, what goes through a toddler's mind when the parents are just so desperate to understand. You know, when does a toddler really understand the difference between me and us? You know, this book mm. explores how the family finds all this out together. You know, and I got to tell you, as a baby boomer myself, I'm trying to understand has the world changed since I was three years old. So, you know, the, the basis of the book is, you know, at what age do we begin to take responsibility for our actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13 years old? Is it 23? You know, again, I got plenty of my contemporaries that are 63 years old that still don't take responsibility for their actions. Yeah, you know, so, No,
0: that's very true.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, so that's, that's really what this book is about.
0: Was it hard for you to put your mindset in a child's perspective? Or do you think the fact that you were exposed to your grandchildren and for that amount of time during the COVID situation that it allowed you to really just step back and take a second just to really think in their perspective? How were you able to get it in a child's perspective to write this book?
1: Well, this is a true story. Okay. I don't know if you've seen a copy of the book. It's, it is, I don't want to turn three. And all these pictures are pictures that I took. So, for instance, this picture that's on the cover is a picture of uh, Levi and Jackson in the bathtub. Actually, I sent cool. it to the illustrator, and uh, she did it in a more cartoonish look. So, throughout the book are actual pictures because it is a true story. This is when Jordan was getting ready to be celebrated his third birthday. He was taking everybody else's toys. He wasn't sharing with everyone. He got caught. And yeah. uh, the way this story ends, and again, I am going to tell you the end of the story, but it's only 32 pages, so you get to the end in 20 minutes anyway,
0: um,
1: <laughs> is that Olivia, who's the oldest, who was eight years old at the time, comes up with the idea that they all should give their toys to the homeless kids downtown. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's how it brings them all together. So it's a story. It's a true story. It happened to my family, but, you know, the way kids interact. In two, three, four, five years old, I am sure it's happening in every single family in the world. So mm-hmm. it's just my observations of what happened in mine.
0: No, yeah, it's a good way to put it. And I like the way that you were able to do that, because I write children's books as well. And I always try to put myself in that mindset of a child. Because, you know, sometimes as an adult, we forget to put our mindset as a child to think as a child or to remember how it felt when we were children, you know, and how we were exploring and how we were going through life, you know, and so I think it's necessary that sometimes us as adults read these children's books to remind ourselves that when we are dealing with children to Take a sec and just reflect, you know, because sometimes certain adults, they just get too rattled and they put their perspective as an adult and they keep it even with children, you know, and sometimes we need to fluctuate. We need to adapt in our emotions and in the way that we speak and the way that we handle life. And sometimes just putting ourselves in that children's perspective really helps us, you know, be happy again, you know, and just enjoy life again. And I bet when you were spending that your time with your grandchildren, you were really enjoying life again in a different manner, right?
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing about children, two, three, four, five years old is they don't know how to lie yet. They just tell the truth. Whatever comes out of their mouth is really what they begin. For example, I was at my uh, grandchild Grace's birthday party, and she looks at me and she says, Gramps, you got a big belly. Okay. <laughs> now, who else is going to tell me that? I said, is it bigger than your dad? She says, oh yeah, it's bigger than my dad. She says, you have a big belly. That's honesty. That's great. I'm not mm-hmm. going to hear that from somebody in my oh, yeah, I probably will over get a fight, but you know, it's, it's just something that these kids have. And so it's up to us as parents and grandparents is that we, it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. Let them think that I got a big belly, but teach them how to think, how to ask questions. And you're talking about, you wrote children's books, I write children's books, you know, and that really is one of the ways to start to begin to thinking them how to think. So for instance, you know, let's assume that we as parents and grandparents are getting into the habit of reading books to our children. Well, you know, what's the good thing about that? Why, Why should we do that? Well, the first thing that we should, the reason we should be reading books to our children is it, be, it brings us to a bonding time. So mm-hmm. you, know, you, get, you get 20 minutes, you got a child sitting on your lap, you know, you're reading through a book. That's real bonding. It's a nice way to spend time together, you know? So, so that's one of the reasons we should all make sure that we are taking the time to read children's books. You know, another reason we should be reading books to children is it supports listening skills. Now, you and I both know, especially with us being writers, that listening skills are the best skills that we have, because mm-hmm. the more that we listen, the more that we can learn, the more that we can interact, you know, if we're in the business of selling, the more we can sell. So <laughs> the, the, the whole thing about teaching kids at a young age, two, three, four, five years old, these listening skills by taking the time to read with them is just so important. Another reason we should be reading to our children all the time is the cognitive and language development and causes so in other words there's words in books they don't understand sometimes i don't understand them either but you know <laughs> they don't understand and so it gives you a chance to talk through what are these words what what do they mean and what can you learn from that so we've got to read to these kids because it helps with their vocabulary and yeah another reason is the attention span you know when you're two three four, five years old you're bouncing off the wall all day long but if you get them in your lap for 20 minutes it creates this attention span. It will just help concentration and self discipline. And those are skills they're going to need as they grow older. So I encourage all of your listeners, please take the time, make reading books a routine in how you raise your kids.
0: No, I agree. All those points that you have brought up are really good points to why. Adults should read to their grandchildren, to their children, and to their nieces and nephews, you know, or just to children in general, because some people may not have children and they just work in a field that they are constantly exposed to children. And reading time is a very important time. People really are disregarding reading and they're pushing just regular TV shows and just movies and electronics and games into a child's life. And yeah, those have some advantages, but there's no... Type of advantage as reading. You know, as simple as reading as it gets, it has tons and millions of advantages on children at their peak time of growing and learning and seeking information that it could all just be in a simple book you know just you may not have the answers as an adult but that book may have the answers that they are needing that's very true I guess that's the reason why we do write (laughs) is to try to promote that you know and are you going to write other books off of this like I don't want to turn as an adult or I don't want to go through puberty or I don't want to eat my broccoli you know things like that are you going to make more books that are in this same type of line
1: yeah, I'm working on a book now is I don't want to turn four. What's interesting is my granddaughter, Olivia, came to me last week. She just turned nine. And she okay. says, "Gramps, she says, I got a great idea for a book. She says, let's write a book. I don't want to turn 10. I said, why don't you want to turn 10? She says, well, you know, I'm starting to think about, I'm going to have to learn how to drive a car. I said, that's seven years away from now. Why are you worried about that now? She says, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, and then I got to worry about, I got to start picking out a college. I don't know where to go. I said, that's nine years away. Why are you worrying about that now? (laughs) So if you think about it, you know, we may write a book. I don't want to turn 10, but you get to any age. I don't want to turn 40. I don't want to turn 50. I don't want to turn 70. You know, so there's lots of opportunity to go out there because you think about what is it that causes us to think that way? You know, we're happy where we are. Do we really want to get any older? You know, Mm -hmm. those those are all those kinds of things. But it's interesting what you were talking about right before we got on this subject was, again, going back to how important it is to read to kids, going back to the idea that it is necessary for us to teach children how to think. You know, when you think about it, and you're going back to picking out and reading a book, you know, obviously everybody's got 20 kids books laying around the house. So first thing you want to do is make sure that you let the child pick the book out to read. Okay. Now I love everybody to buy my book, but it's hundred other great books, your book. They're all great to read. So it doesn't really matter as long as it's a book to read. So, you know, let them pick out that book. And when they come to you and sit on your lap, you know, before you even read the book, you want to ask them, what do you think's going to happen in this book? again, we have to teach them to think, what's going to happen in this book? Let them use their imagination. They picked out the book. They saw the, the cover. What's going to happen in this book? You know, and as you're reading the book with these kids, you want to say to them, well, who are the characters in this book? What is the setting? Again, getting to think, what is going on in this book? How can I get involved in this book? You want to ask them, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? Your friends, you're where you live, what you do, you know, and then at the end of the reading, you wanted much like you should be doing every night at dinner time when you're sitting down with your kids asking them how their day was, is what was your favorite part of this book and why? Mm-hmm. And so if we continue to use the book, use these books as routines to read to kids, that is going to help expand the world. Because I'm telling you, I think this generation, these one to 10-year-old kids today, are the greatest generation this country has ever produced. I mean, because just think about it they're the really first generation that just as soon as they come out of the womb, they're on the internet. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're on iPhones or the parents are showing them how to use the uh, tablets. They have all this electronic stuff that they're learning. So we as adults have got to offset that, not really offset it, but implement it or to, to add to it with what is really in real life. So if we can combine everything that we know You know, with what through reading the books, through our experiences, with how they're quickly they're learning the internet and everything else involved, and and how to find things. Yeah, this generation is going to take this country to a whole new next level.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because once we start stimulating these children's mind in a different way, or just in general, because sometimes certain kids don't even get their mind stimulated, they're just robotic, and they're just stuck in a certain routine that it doesn't allow their mind to be stimulated, or they get pushed to have a certain mindset without even having allowing them to explore because it's like you said, instead of teaching kids what to think. We should teach kids how to think because how to think on their own will start a different movement within themselves. They'll learn what they like, what they don't like, or what they even want to learn, you know? So I applaud you as a writer that you were able to just write a book for children in a children's perspective because it will help many children out there to start thinking in a different way. You know what, this kid doesn't want to do that, but I like doing this, you know, or they don't like a bath, but I love my baths. you know, things of that nature, just kids, like you said, just start pointing them out and just start asking questions. That's a great way to get kids more stimulated in their environments and just to acknowledge what's going on besides watching other kids play with toys or, you know, things of that nature. So I, I think that's great way of putting kids in a different state of mind when did you start writing children's books if you don't mind was it when you went through the pandemic or because yeah, i know you, i, I, I just started
1: covid is what brought this on i wouldn't be doing this unless i was alone with all these kids with covid but you know i want to talk about something you just kind of touched on which you, know, you were talking about how we have to influence these kids america is much different today than when i grew up When I grew up, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. Uh, My uncle lived up the street. My grandmother lived two blocks away. And we had one whole family, you know, because in today's world, it takes a lot of people to raise a kid you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, especially if you're a single family, uh, things like you, you need your aunts and your uncles and your grandmas and your cousins, and you need your friends to help raise the kids. It, it goes back to, you know, Hillary Clinton's book, you know, it takes a village, it does take a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But in today's world, you know, it's different than it was when I was growing up. I mean, using me as an example, I live here in Scottsdale, Arizona, two of my grandkids live, you know, a few blocks away from me, but I've got two other grandkids in Austin, Texas. I've got two other grandkids in Orlando, Florida. So we're scattered all over the place. And so Mm -hmm. how do you become part of their routine? How do they remember who you are so that you can really help influence them? make a difference you know so that's a real challenge of my generation the baby boomer generation we got kids scattered everywhere you know because Little kids aren't going to call you. They're not going to pick up the phone call and say, hey, Gramps, how are you doing today? Hey, I ain't going to, yeah. to happen. You know, they're just concentrated on what they're doing. So I'll tell you what we did, and possibly your listeners have other ideas that they did to try to keep in touch with uh, with all the kids around the country. But, you know, I had all the kids here, had six of the kids here for about six weeks, and so they got familiar with my house and, and so forth before they went to home during COVID. And for some reason, little kids, two, three, four, five years old, love dinosaurs i don't know why but they all and it's not just my kids they're friends it's their it's their kind of way of breaking the ice Talking, start Mm -hmm. talking about dinosaurs you know they all know the names of these dinosaurs they know which ones eat meat they can tell you you know who their friends are yeah as far as i'm concerned dinosaurs are small medium large but these little two three four year olds they say these long words of dinosaurs like it's nothing to them so knowing that they had all of them had this love for dinosaurs what we decided to do we have six dinosaurs here at our house is when the the kids from texas and florida left we decided that every night we're going to put the dinosaurs someplace else in the house So for instance, you know, one night they were in the refrigerator eating blueberries. The next night they were by the (laughs) sink with grandma washing dishes and they had soap on their noses. You know, the next night they were playing the piano. Another night they were walking up the steps. So this went on for 50 different nights inside and outside the house. So we then started to become part of their routine. So what happened was they'd take their bath, mom and dad would read the book. Then they would say to mom and dad, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So, you know, they would uh, they would call my wife's iPhone so we could do FaceTime and they say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that gave us a way to keep in touch with these kids that weren't down the block from us. You know, it gave us a way for this to make an influence on their life and gave us a way to, again, challenge them. By having them teaching them how to think, you know, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that was just something that we did. I'm sure your listeners can come up with other things they are, but, but we have got to reach out. And especially during these hard times uh, caused by all this uh, sickness is to, to keep in touch with these kids and help them grow.
0: I most definitely agree. We need to start helping the next generation grow because they are getting filled with so much information and so much information is accessible to them. They may not fully understand all of the information, but sometimes I have noticed is that kids will start to just put two and two together to whatever makes sense in their mind, you know? So once children and adults actually start talking and communicating about what's going on in the child's mind, then the adult can have a better way of giving them the information that will actually make sense in the right way you know so like you said we don't know i mean as an adult i don't know all of the dinosaur names i don't but the child does but because we understand where the time frame of dinosaurs we're able to help the child put the information that they know in a certain time frame and we can Combine and work together. And that's what I think adults need to do as well. Because and me being a first time mother, I just had my child just a month ago. And I'm just thinking of all these ways I want to incorporate reading and, and learning and all these tactics to help my child grow in the best manner for him without having to depend on an iPad. And it's hard. You know, sometimes I have to read other people's books about how to best do this type of things. And I think the more that we communicate, with each other as adults and letting each other know that oh somebody else has an idea of better way of doing something is a nice way that everybody the village can all work together and that's what people need to do is just all work together for the common good of the next generation because once we die what's going to happen nobody knows because we're going to be dead
1: It's <laughs> interesting that you say that because you know if you take a look at the pandemic and what's happened 16% of the population is 65 years and older, yet 75% of the COVID deaths are coming out of that same age group. So we are losing this whole generation, my age generation, much quicker than we should be. You know? And so you've got to take advantage of each one of the days that you have. Along those same lines, the pandemic has kids reading less the reading list because of the pandemic. You know, according to the United Nations Educational Science and Cultural Organization, I think called UNESCO, there are 584 million children worldwide today that are experiencing reading difficulties. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. Now, before the pandemic, there were 460 million, okay? Now there's 584 million. That is a 20% rise around the world of kids that are having reading difficulties, this wipes out two decades of educational gains you know, that the UN has been working on to get people to read. Think about that. You know, we've got to make that up. That just happened over the last couple of years. The, the Stanford Graduate School of Education released a study reporting that second and third graders' reading fluency is now 30% behind what is expected in a typical year. That is important because reading fluency really helps you do broader problems and you know, learn more things, whether it's in the in later years, whether it's on math, you've got to be able to read. I mean, step back and think about that. Those are dramatic things that just happened over the last couple of years. So we as adults have got to step in there and we have got to make up for that. We have got to make that part of our routine. You know, and now I'm talking to grandparents because, you know, the grandparents... We figured, hey, if we raised our kids. Our kids are going to take care of them. You know, if we did a good job, they'll take them. We got to jump back in. You know? Because when you think about it, these kids are only going to be young for, you got like 18 years to influence, really less because of the teenage years, but you only have a few years to influence them. And you know, we, as we've learned from the COVID-19, could be here today, but gone tomorrow. So we have got to take that time. We've got to make sure that we are starting to influence these kids. And uh, Because, you know, when you get my age, you got a lot of decades behind you. And a lot of decades means you've had a lot of failures, but failures help you become wiser, help Mm -hmm. you understand more. And we have got to be able to share that with these kids so that can offset all the stuff that they're learning on the internet, which is great so that they can really do become the greatest generation ever.
0: That's very true. And to be honest, I didn't know that about the stats that you were able to provide us. So I thank you for that because that is kind of surprising to know that children are choosing to read less and adults are not enforcing them to even read and that is very surprising because we read all the time i'm reading signs over and over again without even me acknowledging that i'm reading it i don't even know what's happening until i realize i read this sign three times already you know so it's necessary that we teach our kids to read because there was a time where the generations couldn't even read to teach kids or to teach certain races or certain cultures to read and to have that knowledge, it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't applicable. It wasn't even there. So to now to have all of this knowledge available and to have the opportunity and the time, right? Some people may not have the time, but to have the opportunity to teach kids, the necessities or just common facts or just common knowledge is sad to see that it's not being done pretty much. You know what I mean? That it's just not being done. It's basically shows that the adults that are having the kids are kind of lazy, you know, they're choosing or they're just and not have the time because let's be honest, as adults we're always busy with cooking and cleaning and taking care of the house and just working long hours just to maintain a roof over our heads. As adults it's hard to just have the time to read to your children, you know. And And I just feel that we need to at least have the books accessible for the kids, because sometimes if it's accessible to kids, just have a a bookshelf or just have a Kindle there with all of just the books there just to have them read would be a better option than to just not have it at all. Because if there's no options for children to even choose that route, then what will the children choose? You know, I don't think a lot of people actually think about that
1: you know, you've just brought up a fabulous point is how do we develop the habit of book reading in kids? Okay. When, you know, what, what kind of steps do we need? Well, first of all, we as adults cannot lose the sight that we are role model. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll, you, as your one month old grows into one year old to three, you're going to really feel this. You are the role model. Okay. So if you're on the, your cell phone all day and you're texting all day and you're, you're on the internet all day, I can tell you that's the role model that your child sees, and that's the way your child's going to be. You know, so step back a second. You know, the more time you're on screens, the more time they'll be on screens. You know, think about your child is reflecting on what you're doing. Typical example is I can guarantee you that if you say a cuss word in front of your child when they're two, three, four years old, they are going to repeat that word three or four times that day.
0: That's Absolutely. True. <laughs>
1: now, what you need to do if you say cuss word very quickly, start to offset it with things that they like. Like right after you say your cuss word, say blueberries, and dinosaurs, and bananas. You know, hopefully that will deflect it. But but they, you are the role model. So never lose sight that you're the role model. So that, well, how are we going to get kids to read more? You read more. I mean, watch. Let them watch you read. Whether it's a magazine or a book or the newspaper, have them see you do that. You know, make sure that you get. A bedtime reading routine with them. Okay. You know, in our case, they go to bed, take a bath, and they read. Okay. That's gotta be part of every family. It's gotta be a routine. It can't be his or miss for a couple nights a week. It's gotta happen every single night. And like you said, have a specific time or place, a study, a library where the books are together. It could be in their room, it could be in your living room, it could be in your kitchen, wherever it is that you can have a place for them that they know. This is my reading room. This is where I've got. And so that they have a specific space to have a little library, you know, library within your own house, you know, and you Mm -hmm. want to make sure that you have colorful books like my book and several others that are there to attract visually so that they know it's something that's fun to to, do, yeah, Mm -hmm. and, you know, understand what your kid's natural tendency are do they like to read by themselves do they like to have you read to them but you know encourage whatever way it is that they really like it they like to share the book together you know and and, and last of all just limit time you know, screen time it doesn't have to be eight hours a day limit it a couple of three hours a day you know if you if you kind of pull all that together then you can start to develop a habit of book reading in kids that you were just talking about
0: Yeah, thank you. No, I think that's very greatly. I like the way that you're able to put it. Sometimes I get a little tongue tied and I lose my train of thought in the middle of speaking. (laughs) So I thank you for that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience? Because everything that you said so far has been great advice. And it's been a great conversation so far. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with your perspective with being a writer and just being around your grandchildren and having your own children and just your overall experience as an individual?
1: Well, you know, we were talking about that it's necessary to teach children how to think and the questions to ask them so they start to think. I think that if everybody asks this question or that I'm going to say right now to their children every single day, it'll change the world. And the question I want you to ask your children is, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Now, think about that. You know, again, my book's based on two, three, four-year-olds. They didn't share. You know, they took, took each other's, you know, dolls and trucks and dinosaurs and, dinosaur and uh, sea creatures, you know, they didn't share. But in the end, they started sharing. So they could say that you know, if, if their parents questioned, what did you do nice today to someone else? They can say, well, I let them play with my dinosaurs. But, you know, initially when you ask your child this, you know, they're going to look at you like you're nuts. do me mean? what I do. But if you ask them this like every day, by the fourth or fifth day, they're going to say, I need to do something that's going to impress mom and dad. So maybe they'll start to share their trucks with their friends. You know, maybe they'll open the door for a stranger. Maybe they'll walk an old lady across the street. But they're going to start to think about, well, what am I going to do? Because if you ask them this question every night at dinner, you know, they're going to want to have answers. But can you imagine if every family and every kid He said, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? And he actually did something. How different our country would be in a few years?
0: That's true. It's very true because it'll be a different response versus the annoyance of "How was your day?" Eh, it was fine. You know what I mean? They just get this bland, just emotionless feeling. Even if you're asking a four-year-old or a ten-year-old or a seventeen-year-old, sometimes they just don't want to respond because they don't really know how to answer that question because it's been said so many times that it just it means nothing nowadays. But with what you're asking, it really makes them think, reflect, rationalize and try to understand you know what is what does nice mean to me what does nice mean to my parents how can i be nicer yeah like you said they take that initiative to try to impress and try to do better and be better. And to be honest, that should be the ultimate goal, not just for ourselves, for our children and for the next generation is just to be a better version of the previous generation or of just yourself is just to be better and do better. So I think that's a great question. I got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so when my son gets old, I got to ask him that, like, what did you do to be nice? He's like, well, I don't know, mom. <laughs> That's funny. Anything else you'd like to share?
1: Well, keep in mind that when you love, you will teach others to love. So above Mm -hmm. everything else, as you're dealing with these kids, even if they may frustrate you and you 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 want to get away from them, when you love, you will teach them to love.
0: Mm -hmm. That is very true. Exactly. It's what you project out in the world. They're going to copy that and just run with it. So I think that is very wise words to share it with my audience so that they can reflect on these words and just our time together so that they can take these things into consideration for themselves and for their village. Because let's be honest, we're all dealing with something or someone and we're always exposed to some type of young child or even if they're just a couple years younger than you, just immaturity is a big thing that we need to cure in adults is just that immaturity of just not being nice and just not showing love. And, you know, something so simple that we were taught as children just don't always follow us as adults. And when we put that question within ourselves and just ask that question within ourselves, it helps us as an adult's be better you know and, and love better and someone's going to see that and I always always say that someone's always watching you and someone's always trying to figure out what you're doing and especially if you have children around like you said they're always watching what you're doing and they're going to pick up those same habits they're going to pick up every little thing and they're going to throw it in your face well why should I if you don't be nice either it's like well I am nice <laughs> so yes I, I think that is very true well thank you so much Gramps I greatly appreciate your opinions you're statements and the overall fact that you were able to produce out this book and have it published and to share with the world i'm going to order my copy soon so that i can have my child think about this when he gets older because this is something that people need to consider as well so thank you thank you very much for your you. time
1: I appreciate you
0: inviting me thank you very much <laughs>